What is going on, guys? This is Brendan Burns, and welcome to The Brendan Burns Show. Join me as I interview, dissect, and share the stories of high performers who have created the life that they deserve on their terms. I sit down with speakers, professional athletes, and successful entrepreneurs from all over the world who have chosen to live a life of fulfillment and joy over status and money. In each episode, I share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited for this much-awaited episode. Joining us today is Jia Jiang, the author of the best-selling book, Rejection Proof, How I Beat Fear and Became Invincible Through 100 Days of Rejection, one of the most viewed TED Talks of 2017. Several years after beginning his career in the corporate world, he took a life-altering risk to step into entrepreneurship. His result was everyone's biggest fear, rejection. This became the catalyst that set him on a path to his true calling. To conquer his fear of rejection, John embarked on a personal quest and started a blog, 100 Days of Rejection Therapy. His journey revealed a w- that the world was hidden in plain sight, a world where people could be much kinder than we can imagine. He discovered that rejection can be much less painful than we believe and that the fear of rejection is much more destructive than we know. Um, he grew up in Beijing, China, migrated to the United States at age 16. He holds a Bachelor of Computer Science from Brigham Young University and an MBA from Duke. Ja, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Brandon. So yeah. glad to be here. Yeah, it's finally no, happened. Me too. I, I, I want to hear so much from you, but at some point I have to tell you the story of when I read your book, Rejection Proof, and then I went to Central Park in New York City where I used to live. And I would go up to people and say, hey, will you play rock, paper, scissors with me? Or will you take a selfie with me? So I implemented a lot of your things. It was really fun. How many people say yes to that? Almost everyone. I had uh, this guy from France who took a selfie with me. There were these tennis courts in downtown New York City where the rule was you weren't allowed to play without a certain permit. And I used your line from the book. I said, hey, if we could put a man on the moon, I could play tennis on these courts. <laughs> so there, it was pretty rare. I feel like with, the, with good energy and connecting with people, almost everyone said yes to what I was asking. So I'm not 100% um, surprised by what you said uh, that everyone said yes because it, I because the one word you used right the right energy if you have the right energy people are actually a lot likely to play along you know if you ask them something weird if you come in very aggressive or very tense then they get very tense as well and they might say no and this is one thing that a lot of people were asking me you know if you can I did all 100 days of rejection when I was in Austin Texas. And people were saying you cannot do that in New York because people are much tougher there and all that. But you just proved that point wrong. So. Uh, oh yeah, I, I right after uh, Central Park, I went to the McDonald's on 59th Street. I think we're right in that area, and I said, "Let me try to get a free soda." And I talked to the lady, and I was nice to her, and she gave me a free soda. So I'm proof that you can do it in New York. Awesome, awesome, Brandon. <laughs> but anyway, let's. You know, I read the book. It's incredible for anyone who hasn't read Rejection Proof, and your story. Would love to hear it from the beginning. You know, you came from this family, it sounds like me, where there was expectations of corporate success, not entrepreneurship. Talk to us a little bit about kind of your background and then how you kind of realized you wanted to or you were called to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, actually, my family is a teacher's family. So they wanted me to be a teacher. They're like, that's the that's the safe route. I, I, going back to five generations of my family, they were all teachers in China. So, uh, but I didn't want to be a teacher. I, I want to be an entrepreneur. You know, I uh, I grew up, I was reading the story of Bill Gates and I was 14, I met him, you know, not like face to face, but I watched him speak and just fall in love with the story of entrepreneurship and technology and all that. So I give myself the expectation that someday I want to be the Chinese version of Bill Gates. At least trying, at least be entrepreneur and make something happen. But what ended up happening is, you know, after coming to America, I, I started going a a safe route. Like basically, every immigrant, you know, every tech uh, immigrant, like new age immigrant, who go through a route where they, you know, they start out not no not knowing English, then they learn English, they go to school, and then they find a corporate job to have a stable job. So that was what everyone else is doing, and I started doing what everyone else is doing. So uh, that was my that's what that was holding what was holding me back for for a long, long time until I was 30. So 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, talk to us a little bit about the the job you had um, in corporate, you know, why it might have been easier to stay there. And what was your initial experience like stepping into the world of entrepreneurship? Yeah, so after I graduated from um, uh, graduate school, got my MBA, and I got a job at Dell, uh, you know, it's basically the most corporate place you can think of, you know, it's tech, but it's, it's not like, it's a kind of old tech, you know, kind of this stodgy kind of a, of a place where it's really the technology, but in the old world. So I got my job there. I got a, I was making a, a six-figure income and I was having like, from outside, I, I was, I got, I got it all, right? I got married. I got a, I bought a house. I got a dog. We got a kid on the way, you know, and uh, from outside, you know, I, I got it made. I'm on my trajectory to have a, to fulfill the American dream. Uh, but just in deep down inside, I was just getting, I was just, just feeling just eating me up that I wasn't chasing up. I, was, I wasn't going after my dreams. I wasn't living my destiny and I wasn't doing the things that I wanted to do. I, I was living someone else's dream. Maybe it's a Michael Dell's dream. Maybe it's some other, my friends and uh, their dreams, but I want to do something different. So uh, I, you know, when I heard the news that we're going to have a baby, I just felt, you know, uh, a little bit depressed. You know, I love babies, by the way. I recommend them to all of you. But the thing is, when you become a father, this chance of you becoming this world-changing entrepreneur goes way down. You know, your responsibility changed and everything. So I just felt old and, and uh, you know, just maybe I missed my boat. So my, it was my wife who um, told me, she was seven months pregnant at the time. She was like, hey, you want to be an entrepreneur? Why didn't you just go out and do it? Quit your job, you know, and you don't have to do this forever. How about you do this for six months? Let's set up some goals and metrics. I'll set the goals up for you and the metrics for you. If you meet that goals, keep going. And if you don't, look for a job again. It's not that complicated. You know, if you don't, you're going to always be thinking about what's going what's gonna to be. You know, you're always, maybe even blame your family for not doing it. Now go ahead and do it. So that's what, you know, I'm, I'm always grateful to my wife and I feel, you know, I, I, throughout the years, I always feel I'm married up, you know, and uh, this is definitely an example of that. So, uh, yeah. So I quit my job when I was 30 and started my own company. Wow. So it sounds like having a supportive spouse who encourages you to step towards your dreams. And also I'm taking away from that when you work for someone else's company, you're fulfilling their dreams, not yours. Exactly. Um, unless your dream is to succeed in the corporate world, that's fine. You know, and if your job is to have financial, uh, like financial security, or you love the idea of working in a corporate, you know, uh, working from an individual contributor to a manager, you know, to, and you're good with politics, you know, you're good with the communication, all that. If that's your dream, there's nothing wrong with that dream. This is a great dream. But the problem is, if that's not your dream, uh, that's what people tell you what you're supposed to, to do then that be that 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 becomes a conflict you know the, then there's a problem so that was my case you know it wasn't my dream it was a great life but it wasn't my dream it wasn't your life yeah so tell us about stepping out on your own what business did you start what happened <laughs> uh wow i got to dig back to my memory lane so i started out uh it was 10 years ago you know sometimes when i think about how, that was how long how long ago that was i just want to uh, stick a flaming um, chopstick into my nostrils. This is so long ago. So, uh, but um, I was, uh, it was 10 years ago and uh, we're to have our first baby. I quit my job. Great, great um, timing. And I wanted to build an app, you know, at the time everyone wanted to build an app. Uh, and, but my thought is if I can gamify trust, right. If I can say like, um, you know, you tell me what you're going to do. Like, let's have a meeting today, right? Where we're going to have to record this podcast interview. And then if I, if you send me that thing and I fulfill that trust, I should, you know, I should get some reward, some recognition for, from you. Maybe you give me a thumb up, or give me a score. So it was like a game that, that basically, if I fulfill a trust, you give me a thumb up. So that was the, that was the original idea. Got it. And uh, just kind of talk to us a little bit about the experience of, you know, that business and what happened and, and kind of when in that timeline did your blog and this idea of rejection proof come to be? Yeah. So um, I started out with that company. I formed a team of four. We have four engineers, actually. You know, some of them are, you know, here, some of them are across the country and across the world and or prototyping or I was having we're having a good time. 
Um, and then one day I talked to this investor, you know, a local investor. And he's a very well-known investor. I really thought he was going to invest in my company. I really did. Uh, and then um, um, I thought that's the answer to my prayers because this guy is an expert. He knew what he was doing. He was very successful. He built two different businesses and he became an investor. So if he likes my company and invests in it, that means the company is validated. That means my I'm going places. So I was so hopeful and so happy. But then one day I was at the restaurant uh, celebrating a friend's birthday and they got this email and I got a sinking feeling, right? From this email and I clicked open. It was from him and clicked open. It was a one-liner and said, no, we're not doing this. It didn't tell me how. It didn't tell me why I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it. It just said no. And at that moment, I had to just stand up and walk out so people wouldn't see me cry in front of them. I don't know why I was hurt that bad. I probably had a rough day that day. But at that moment, I just all this fear of rejection, all those years. And I was just looking back at like what happened to me? Why, why did I wait until I was 30 before I started my own company? It was because I was afraid of rejection. You know, and what if I go out and do it and fail? What if my family and friends don't accept me? What if my customers don't accept me? And even after I started my own, my own company, I got rejected with an investment. That moment of kind of a disappointment, hurt, shame, wanted me to quit. Wanted me to quit. I just wanted, I just the moment I was like, maybe, okay, this guy, he didn't invest and he is so much smarter than me. He knew everything about business. He's like this uh, expert. If he says no, then that means this idea is trash. That's what immediately comes to my mind. And that's where it dawned on me. And then, it, you know, it's kind of right away. I don't know. It's like this meme of this lady with this, um, with this little, um, you know, formulas going around, right? I was just thinking, and then I was like, huh, would Bill Gates feel this way after he get a rejection? He, does he just want to quit after someone not investing in his company? How about all those people I heard in books, you know, successful entrepreneur, entrepreneurs, would they want to quit after rejection like this? So no way. So I thought, okay, this is actually my thing. I got to overcome my fear of rejection. You know, if I don't, even if I get an investment, if I get a build, build a better company, if I build a better product, I'm always going to have this problem, which I'm so afraid and I so need other people's approval. That's where I started my journey to say, all right, I got to overcome this fear. This is my number one problem to solve. Got it. So you, in that experience, realize, okay, I want to solve my fear of rejection. Yes. And so you go out to conquer this fear by going on a personal quest. You start a blog a hundred days of rejection therapy and each day you're going to talk to a stranger. Like, how did you come up with this idea to yeah. go do a hundred super scary, awkward things to overcome your fear of rejection? So, um, it was, uh, when, when I was uh, on a lot of, um, forums, you know, back then forums are popular. I mean, maybe they're still popular in some corners on the internet, but I was going on entrepreneurial forums and, I, I typed this, I, I, I asked this question, you know, I just, just got rejected with my investment, you know, so much rejection and how do I overcome that fear? And people started just saying stuff. And, but one person talked about, Hey, there's this, this thing called rejection therapy. Uh, you should try it out. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and then, and, and he even typed out, maybe it's time for me to try out an experiment. I'm like, well, experiment, guess who, who want to do the experiment? Me. Uh, so so I look it up. It was a game. Uh, this game invented by this um, guy from Canada. Uh, his name is Jason Calmly. I got to know him pretty well later on uh, in the on the journey. So he he's got so he's got some real rejection issues, and that's why he invented this deck of cards. And each card will give you to re get rejected or something on purpose. The idea is, if you're afraid of rejection, you just go look for rejection. And if you do this enough times, you you desensitize yourself from the pain. You become this badass. You know, I'm like, wow, this, I want to do that, but I don't want to do this for uh, 30 days. And the card has this 30 day challenge. I like, I want to do a hundred days. I want to overdose on rejection. <laughs> I'm going to be this badass that, that, that no one can beat. And also I did another thing is, you know, this sounds tough. If I do this by myself, I'll probably quit pretty easily. So what if I just tell the world about it, you know, and, and the, 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 in the most, spectacular or the loudest way possible. How about if I feel myself getting rejected and then, and then tell people I'm going to do, do 100 days? 
Um, so because if I do this by myself, I'll quit pretty easily. But if I show this promise to the world, and the world will hold me accountable. So that's what I did. Every day I would go out and get rejected and I'll film myself and put this on YouTube. And I I, I, so I made a vlog out of this. Wow. So, okay, this is amazing. So what were, did you make the list of a hundred days in advance or each day you would come up with a new idea? How did you structure it? Yeah, yeah, I each day I come up with a new idea. That's how I have to operate. Sometimes just, I'm a pretty wacky guy, you know, I gotta, I, sometimes I got a, a, I just got a wacky mind, you know, and you call it a sense of humor. You call it just, just being strange. So sometimes I just think about things. And then um, as for example, the first day um, I, I was living in Austin, Texas at the time. And my office is downtown Austin and we rented out a co-work space. So one day I came down and I saw this, this guy sitting in the lobby. I'm, I was like, what if I ask him for a hundred dollars? What's going <laughs> to happen? And then when I have that idea in my mind, I just couldn't get that idea out. I just like, I have to do this, you know? And uh, so that's what, I, that, that was my first request, you know? So all my requests like these were just kind of a, spur, most of them are spur of the moment. And later on, like, maybe I can get into that. Like it actually, the, the, my blog got really big and then people started, you know, sharing, uh, suggesting ideas to me. And I started keeping a list. It wasn't as fun uh, by the end because at the beginning it was just spur of the moment kind of thing. That was more fun. Right. So in your book, I'm just going to quote you from Rejection Proof. It says, as reject 100 days of rejection, day one. As soon as I asked myself the question, I could feel all the hair on the back of my neck standing up. It seemed a certainty that the security guard would say no. Would he laugh at me, whip out his nightstick and start clubbing me? Would he think I was a nutcase and call the nearest mental hospital asking if any six foot tall Asian male patient had gone missing? all the while holding me in a headlock. And wait a second, did the guy have a gun or a taser? So that's what's going through your head. What actually happened? Well, so I start, I just went and it just, all these things went in my head. I was walking toward him and I was sweating really bad. And when I got there, I just asked, can I borrow a hundred dollars from you? And he looked at me, he looked at me, he was like, no, right? And he said, why? I just start running after that. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> this, uh, when I hear the no, I'm like, I, I got it. I got a rejection. That's my goal. So just get me out of there. And I felt so embarrassed uh, in a way. But the thing is, if you're doing a vlog, you got to experience your, you have to experience whatever you experience at least twice because you got to upload the video. You have to edit the video. And so I was looking at myself. I was like, huh, okay. This, this guy, he, um, he, at first of all, I looked so scared. I, I, I looked so pale and everything. And it was, I looked like it's, uh, if you, I don't know if you've seen it, the movie Sixth Sense. You know, I was a little kid there to saw, I saw dead people. That's how scared I was. <laughs> and then the, uh, and I saw the, this guy, he, he said no, but he wasn't any of the things I imagined. Like he wasn't mean. He wasn't like menacing. He didn't have any of that. He just said no. He asked me why. So, he was inviting me to inviting me to explain myself. You know, I could have said many things at that moment, but I didn't say any of that. I didn't. I didn't negotiate. I didn't. I wasn't like, hey, I'm just having to have some fun. Can you give me hundred dollars? If not, can you give me fifty? I could have said so many things. All I heard was the no. It was so loud and so scary. I just ran. So I said, wow, it's like my the microcosm of my, my life. When I hear the no, that's all I could focus on. The nasty, the loud no, but. The invitation behind the, to explain myself behind the no, the I won't say kindness, but the calmness this guy exerted, right? And this, those are not something I, I saw. Um, so I'm like, okay, tomorrow, no matter what happens, I'm not gonna run because if I just focus on the no and run, I'm gonna overlook all the stuff that's hidden behind. Wow. So a lot of learning from the first day. Right. Okay. The guy asked why, maybe I can give a reason next time. Yeah. So day two. And by the way, I love five guys burgers. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I eat in and out here more in California, but I love five guys and day two, you go into five guys and what happens? So, uh, finishing, I, I love five guys too. I think they have the best burger. They look dry, but they're really good. So I went and had a cheeseburger. And then after we talked to the cashier and said, can I get a burger refill? And he was just confused. He was like, what do you mean a burger refill? 
<laughs> I was like, just like a free drink refill, but with a burger instead. And he was like, sorry, we'll do the burger refill, man. And this time I'm, I was much calmer. Okay. I was much calmer. I was the first, again, the first day I just want to run. The second day I control my legs, stay here and talk it out like a man. So I was like, okay, uh, burger is good. I love it. Give me a burger refill. I'll come back here more often, you know, and I'll tell more people about it. It's a, you know, free word of mouth marketing, you know, and, and he was like, ah, okay, ah, good idea. But sorry, I can't do it. You know, we can give out free food or get in trouble with my manager. Okay. Right. I didn't want to get him in trouble. So that's where I left. And guess what? It was way less scary if I just don't run. You know, like in battlefields, um, uh, that usually what happens is there are two armies that are pretty equally matched, right? They started just, you know, the line just colliding and start poking each other. And some people die. Some people just hold the line. But the, usually that's where not the battle won or lost or where the most casualty occur. It occurs when people start, once that get routed, you know, you start feeling like you're getting pushed back. You start seeing your, you know, losing confidence because some people are falling. You just start running and turn your back and run. Then when you turn your back and start running, that's where you get slaughtered and they get chased and everything get wiped out. So in the same case, if I learned that if I negotiate, if I just, all I think about is I hear no, I just run. That's where I get wiped out. But if I stay engaged, I don't have to feel too bad. I don't have, that, that's where, the, the bad feeling is coming from the running, not necessarily the, the, all the rejection. Yeah. Yeah, you said in the book that on the second night after the five guys, when you were making the video edits, you saw how your behavior changed. You said you still looked a little nervous, but you didn't have that life and death panic and you didn't have the shame either. So it sounds like even two days in, you're already starting to visibly see yourself change. Exactly, exactly. And sometimes um, having an experience like that versus not having it, it's night and day. Um, so my first day, and also I didn't just experience it and just let it be. Um, I think the key for me is I was looking at my video and analyzing. Yeah. And that, that was really helpful. So I start doing that every day, analyzing myself every day. So if you, anything you do, like then you you record it, whether you're making a speech or trying to make a, uh, you know, making a pitch or making a rejection attempt. If you somehow record yourself and look back to see what happened, that usually helps a lot with your improvement. Yeah. If I'm ever speaking, even if it's to a small group, getting the video is so helpful. And even when I'm either coaching or doing a sales or enrollment call with a prospective coaching client for my business, seeing the video is so helpful. And I always encourage people to record their own videos for whatever it is, just to, you know, and obviously having some kind of specialist analyze it and look at it with you can be great, but even just you looking back at it, there's so much value in that. Exactly. And that's something we don't like to do uh, because we feel most people, and I'm not saying everyone, uh, most people feel very uncomfortable looking at themselves, you know, watching themselves, hearing themselves. Uh, because at that moment, you just feel you are the centers of the universe. Everyone's watching you, especially yourself. Every little mistake, every flaw that you that you exhibit, you feel is so magnified. You see everyone's catching, catching that. You feel so that's why you feel so uncomfortable when you're doing it. But as you mentioned, the, if the the more recording of yourself you see, whether it's voice or video, the better you'll get, no matter what it is. Yeah, 100%. So we come into day three here. And by the way, I can see a theme that we would have a lot of fun together. I love food also. So now it's time for donuts. So <laughs> you're you're, uh, you're driving in traffic, you're in traffic, you see a Krispy Kreme, and it's the 2012 London Olympics. So the games are on your mind. And what happens? So I wanted to uh, um, ask the, uh, so I went to a Krispy Kreme. It, I would get stuck on traffic and I saw a Krispy Kreme sign on the stick, uh, sticking out on the side of the uh, freeway. I'm like, what if I ask them to make me donuts that look like Olympic rings? You know, if you link five donuts together and make them look like Olympic rings, there's no way they're gonna do it. So I'll go, go in and get rejected. And guess what? I'll make a joke. This time I'll stay so relaxed. I'll make a joke and just, then I'll leave. I'll have some fun with this. So that was the idea. And I, so that night I actually went to that donut shop and, and asked them, 
you know, the donut maker took me so seriously. She was like, okay, what does the color look like? Hmm. If I do it this way, you get stuck to the fryer. And and uh, and what if you can take them out? And so, so, so she was just there kind of mapping this out. How can I do it? I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I just won't get rejected. What are you doing? <laughs> I have no idea. She took it so seriously. And 15 minutes later, she came up with box donuts that looked like Olympic rings. And, and, and she even paid for it. She's like, you know, and this is, this is on me. So wow. that was, it just floored me. And I can say my life, uh, if you draw a line, I think that moment is a line in my life. Before that was uh, uh, BD, before donuts. After that is AD, after donuts. <laughs> and I just like, wow, I just want to come in and get rejected. There's no way I thought she's going to say yes to me. And not only she did, she was, she was so kind. She was so helpful. And uh, how many yes, yeses have I missed in my life just because I thought there's no way I would get it. You know, so there's a lot. Of, it's a completely mindset shift after that. So, uh, yeah, I, I shared this on YouTube. Um, it, you know, I couldn't believe the experience and the, the world couldn't believe that experience. So that video got viral. You know, when it went everywhere, front page Yahoo News and CNBC and all that, you got over 5 million views. So that's where the whole world changed for me. Wow. I, I, it's so incredible what you said. When I was reading this book in that specific day three, mm -hmm. I realized that when I was living in New York City, there were so many things, small things that I wouldn't ask for because I didn't want the rejection. Even to like, if I was riding in a taxi cab, and they were pulling over on the left side and I wanted to be on the right side, or if I wanted to be on a different corner, or if I was leaving a party and my jacket was in the other room, what I started to do was just ask people, I say, hey, can you grab my jacket? Just for the rejection proof experience. And <laughs> everyone would say, oh yeah, yeah. And then I started to say, oh, can you get me a water? Can you get me this? And it was amazing what started happening. So I had very similar experiences, but so it sounds like this donut experience was really kind of the beginning of Hey, maybe there's something really here around rejection therapy for me in my in my career. Uh, it actually wasn't. Um, well, yeah. okay. The, the 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 moment was more personal. Okay, I was like, wow, I have a lot of opportunities here, and I, you know, it was more self reflection. You know, on the past experiences, why didn't I do something earlier? If if I just asked someone to say yes to me, just like this lady did. But what ended up happening is the video got viral. I start getting emails from people all over the world. They were sending me emails and just sharing stories, just telling me how awesome this, you know, they were telling me, wow, this lady's so awesome. You know, she's truly was. She, her name's Jackie. She's from she's from New York, uh, but she was in Austin at the time, making, you know, and, and people are saying she's really awesome. And a lot of people are saying, wow, what are you doing? So inspiring, you know, and looking for rejection. I was like, I was just looking for rejection. So I thought I was the only person afraid of rejection and maybe, maybe me and a few other people. What I found is everyone's afraid of rejection and there is all manifested different ways in people's lives and they're sharing their stories with me, uh, you know, and, and they start and the people start making changes in their own lives. There are people, artists start sharing her art after seeing uh, my, my uh, donut video. And she was invited by, to uh, invited by the White House eventually to, to give a to give a show in Washington D.C. There was a person that found their dream jobs. There are some people started a podcast after this. Um, some people start writing books. So, and that's where I you know impact me like like what you said. I'm like wow, you know, this is not just me. There are a lot of people who are actually afflicted by this fear of rejection in their lives in their careers. If I can help them to overcome that fear, maybe I can make some impact in, in this world. Wow. Yeah, I mean, everyone has fear of rejection, fear of, or fear of failure on some level. So this is starting to impact more people. And now you you then uh, asked Domino's if you could do a delivery, and they said no, and you asked for a tour of something else, they said no. But then what you realized was it was time to branch out a little bit more, right? Go from work to personal. Right. So yeah, at like, and then what was the, you know, you played soccer with the stranger. So talk to us a little bit about kind of the next phase of rejection proof. So uh, <clears throat> the funny thing is, uh, you know, I did a few 
like the Krispy Kreme video donut video did not get viral until viral until like a couple weeks later. So in the meantime, I started I did more things and it was I think that stage was probably the the funnest stage because I I was still unknown. Uh, but I saw I made a discovery in life that that actually people can say yes to me. That's where I started just making you know trying all kind of things. So I went out and um, I went. I, I had a soccer ball. I tried. I knock on someone's door. I tried to play soccer in someone's backyard. You know, and uh, and I tried. Um, as I mentioned, I tried to deliver pizza for for some for for Domino's and say, can I do it? Uh, and I just started doing all these kind of things. I got rejected. Sometimes I get rejected. Some got. Sometimes I got yes. And I was just a per, a big personal learning period for me. So when the video went viral. I think my mindset a little bit shift a little bit. I mean, I still try to keep it personal, like this is for me, but but also I started thinking, okay, I start focusing way more on also more on learning. You know, what can I share these uh, experience, and what are the, some of the things I can, sh- um, you know, the learnings I can share. So it would, uh, you know, so yeah. So the 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 next phase, I just started asking something bigger and bigger, and uh, more. <laughs> Sometimes they're still wacky. I feel still uh, keep it wacky, but also I started, you know, trying to branch into different things because I don't want to do the same thing over and over again, right? Go to a restaurant, ask for something. That's kind of a I don't want to do that all over, over again. So I try to uh, do something work related. I try to walk into an office building and just ask for a job, you know, on the spot. <laughs> I got it, you know, it's a temporary job, but I still got it. Wow. Um, I walk into. Uh, University of Texas in you know, uh, Austin's um, campus. I started asking professors to say to to see if I can actually teach their class. And uh, someone invited me for uh, a professor invited him to give a guest lecture. Um, so I drove a police car. I did all. I did. I, I flew a plane. So it just got more and more ridiculous, and it was a lot of fun. <laughs> wow! Did you give the safety announcement on a plane one time? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Uh, no, but it was even better. It was more scary. So one day I went to this, uh, I think it was Southwest. And then and I, I went and, and talked to the flight attendant and said, hey, can I give you a safety announcement? Uh, I give a reason. I was like, hey, I, you know, I'm sure this has never happened that the, you know, if you, usually when a flight attendants give safety announcement, people just don't pay attention to it, right? You just go about your day. You heard this a million times. But what if a customer, a passenger comes up and give a safety announcement? They are going to uh, pay a lot of attention. The guy was like, "Yeah, it's good idea, but I can't let it. I can't let you do it because by law, yeah, when we're giving safety announcement, you have to buckle up in the seat. That's by you know, federal aviation law. But you can, I can invite you to come to the front and say something to the customers if you want." And I was like, "Okay, now that's different." Because before it was, I have a script. Now it's open mic. I just got to come in and grab a mic and start saying something. That's, that's really scary. So um, so I did. Uh, he gave the, his safety announcement. He's like, oh, someone would like to say something to the to the, to the the whole cabin. So I got up there. It was the, some of the longest walks I had, you know, going from my seat to the front because it was <laughs> so scary. So scary. And I got there and I just like, hey, um, you know, I'm so glad uh, Southwest want me, uh, allow me to do this. And I really enjoy the company and they are always, they're almost always on time. They're almost always friendly. So give them a round of applause. So I did something. Uh, I said something safe, right? I didn't give up. I didn't, I didn't have a com- stand up comic, uh, you know, comic <laughs> routine. So I just said something pretty basic, but it was really scary. And when I was walking back, people were like, oh, give me applause. And some people like, you're really brave. I was like, you have no idea. So yeah, so it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Wow. And as you're kind of going through all of these experiences, what's going on inside of you and then what's happening with the blog and, and the feedback that you're getting from other people. So I, I, as I mentioned, I had a transformation in my life. Like I, I, people, a lot of people throw throughout this word a lot, you know, transformation, but it's a real transformation because again, before I thought life is full of um, I guess rules, you know, um, uh, laws and something you can expect. If you follow this through this path, you're going to expect the outcome. And after that, I'm like, life is full of opportunities that are just hidden. 
you know, sometimes the rules are routines are just made by humans. And but if you break them, you can see something amazing. You can do something amazing. So there's a personal transformation going on in my life. So I became way more um curious, um inquisitive, um, you know, fun seeking and challenge seeking afterward. And also my blog got really big. And again, I got millions of views. I got a lot of people writing emails to me. And I got invited to a bunch of TV shows, you know, to talk about this Krispy Kreme story. But also I started getting invites to speaking. And I didn't know like what that was. So it's like, what, you want me to come to your place and give a talk? Like, what does that even mean? You know, English is not my first language. And I'm not a good I'm not good in front of people to speak, you know, and, but that when I had those opportunities, I started practicing and telling my story and then people start applauding and uh, applaud. And, and I was like, wow, people like the story. So I just gained more and more confidence as I speak more and more. And so, uh, and during one um, conference, I gave a talk in front of 3000 people. It's called the world domination summit. Um, it's a great, a uh, great uh, meeting, uh, a summit to be um, hosted by this guy, Chris Gillable in uh, Portland. Uh, so after giving this talk, I got a standing ovation by 3,000 people. And then people, uh, uh, there was a book publisher, the editor, uh, chief editor of the publisher, and also book literary agent. They both heard my talk. They both approached me saying, hey, what if you can write this book, uh, your talk into a book? Uh, I th you know, if you can write as well as you speak that book will sell really well so that's where you you got the book rejection proof wow yeah in in your book you quote robert kennedy who said there are those who look at things the way they are and ask why i dream things that never were and ask why not so is yeah. that what you were starting to see yeah see a crispy cream and kind of when you were going about your life moving forward yeah before this war i mean i've heard this quote for a long time and before it was just something that sounds good, something that you put on a fake deep, you're like, cool, I'm creative now, right? But ever since the Krispy Kreme experience, I start seeing this really manifest in my life. Um, I really start seeing a lot of opportunities. I was like, why not? Why not this? Why not that? Why do I have to be in the line? Not saying, you know, I, I still want to be in line if I buy coffee and stuff, but in life, like, why do you have, there are a lot of rules with, you know, certain rules and certain, uh, cultural stuff that we put in there. And a lot of times we're so afraid to break them. But if you break them, if you know how to break them, if you break them in a kind way and not aggressive way, a lot of times you can get things done. A lot of times you can find opportunities without having to say, you know, follow the rules per se. Yeah. I mean, you also write about how rejection is just an opinion and not kind of a personal worth thing, right? That how everyone's entitled to their opinion. How did you kind of learn that um, as you were going on these hundred days? Yeah, it was because what funny, what happened is usually, a lot of times if I just focus on myself, like we we usually see ourselves as the centers of, of the universe, right? We're the heroes of our own movies. When we get rejected by someone, we, we often think that's the final outcome the world or the universe is giving us. We got to know. As it turned out, you're nothing in, in the whole scheme of things. Like everyone's got their own thing. You get rejected by someone, someone else might say yes to you. So in those 100 days, I could ask something, the same question to 10 different people. I got 10 different answers. Someone say yes, someone say no. Someone laughs and smiles. Someone just couldn't wait to get away from me faster. So uh, it's actually like, it's just a lot about I, that person. What happened to him or her the night before? Or maybe it's lifelong of needs, understanding, prejudice. Who knows? It's not about me. It's about that person. Once I get that understanding, I'm like, wow, your rejection or acceptance is just your opinion. If you don't say yes, someone else might, might say yes. If you don't say yes, that doesn't mean I, I'm bad. It doesn't mean I suck. It doesn't mean that my, my idea is bad. It just means, in your opinion, I you're not giving me the rejection. And sometimes people even think the idea is good. It's not good for them. So they say no. So instead of me focusing on that one person's opinion, no matter how highly I value them, I just go talk to enough people. Uh, if everyone, if I talk to like enough people, if I talk to so many people and they all say no, well, maybe I'll try something else. But I can't just give up after one try or 10 tries. 
If something is more important to me, I should try a lot of times before I give up. So uh, my mindset shifted. It sounds like the exact opposite of what you used to think when that first investor told you no, and you said, it must be a bad idea. Everybody's going to say no. And now you're on the other side. You're really starting to see rejection for what it is or a no for what it is. It's not always rejection. It's just for that person to know, not for everybody. Yeah. And I, I started looking at, uh, I, I mean, the, um, I've been in the tech startup world for a long time. Right. So I started just looking at the, the, um, people in this, uh, in the tech startup world. And when some of the, um, newest ideas at the time, when they came out, they got overwhelming rejections, you know, whether it's idea that you can, uh, basically build a phone into an iPod, like Steve jobs, the case of doing the iPhone. A lot of people are thinking, well, you're charging like, what, $700 for a phone? That's insane. A phone charged like a hundred bucks or even if even that, no one's going to buy it. Or uh, when Airbnb coming out, you're like, what? You're inviting people, strangers into your house and rent it out? You're insane. That's the good thing. You get murdered in two days. You know, <laughs> what you, Uber, you're going to drive strangers around. You're not going to make it back in one day. So people start giving these opinions. And these are not just everyday people's opinion. These are, you know, the CEOs of some the Fortune 500 companies are feeling this way. The most prominent investors in Silicon Valley think this way when they hear these ideas. Uber got rejected overwhelmingly by over like 100, the most well-known VCs. And then someone else, some the one company funded them and then they started being become successful and everyone else started getting regret. So it's all these top examples. You would think these people's jobs are making judgment on someone else's ideas. These are people's jobs are making judgment on some new product that they see it, whether it's a threat or something that they shouldn't uh, even worry about. And they often get it wrong. Now saying expertise doesn't work, but but even the people with the most best expertise, they get it wrong. So if you just follow, if you admire those people so much, uh, the best investors or the 4500 CEOs, if you just follow their opinion, think they're the gospel, then you're not getting anything done. Because a lot of times you just have to follow through on your own idea and let the world reject you or accept you, right? If you know, if this is a bad idea, eventually you're gonna find no customers. But if it's a good idea, no matter what people are its opinions are, people start using it, people start telling me how good it is, then that's a good idea. So instead of hearing one or two prominent people's uh, advice or opinion, you need to open it up to the world and let the world tell you. Yeah, I mean, in, in Tim Ferriss talks about this, how many publishers turn down the four-hour work week. You also, in your book, share how many times I think some of these books were rejected by publishers. So Lord of the Flies, 20 rejections, Diary of, of Anne Frank Diary, 15 rejections, um, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, 12 rejections, yeah. and someone saying it's far too long for children. The book's too long. So... <laughs> Harry Potter, I just, I, was, I gotta say, that's the, the my favorite example. Yeah. Is in the last 50 years, Harry Potter and the Philosopher of Stone, number one best-selling book. Like, I, I, it's uh, 20, 30, I don't remember the name, million copies were sold. Any publisher who, who published that book, basically, they got it made for decades. You know, it's like they're, they discover a gold mine. You know, it's like, you know, it's like the, it, it's like the Game of Thrones. It's like, Whatever it is, right? The the the, the analogies they got something huge, but twelve publishers passed on them, and these are well known largest publishers in UK. They give a take a look at it, saying, "Nah, this is a not good, too long, not good for kids, uh, too dark." And these are people; their job depended on them making good judgment, and they passed on the best selling book in the past fifty years. So, um, so that's why it goes to show you cannot let rejection de de deter you. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. It even reminds me of, there's a movie called yesterday where it's about the Beatles. This guy is a struggling musician. And then he, uh, wakes up one morning and apparently the whole world, or the Beatles have been erased from everyone's minds. And, but he remembers all the songs. So, oh. he, so he starts playing them all knowing how good they are. They, people still don't like him or take him so seriously. So he's playing some of the best songs ever written and he's still not famous yet. 
And then what he has to do is tell, he's like, guys, I am Da Vinci right now. I'm right. I'm painting the Mona Lisa in front of you. Listen. And so everyone starts to actually listen and then they realize how good it is. And so the mindset of knowing the value of what you have to offer first, not real, like looking to that other person, like, here's my thing. Is it good? You know, because <laughs> even that weakness and that timidity and fear is going to turn into rejection. Oh, even, yeah. You're hundred percent right. Your your own conviction is uh, so vital to the success of your idea. The thing is, ideas are fragile, you know, and and, and products these things are fragile. They need a strong hand to actually. So sometimes we think our idea and us are in one, right? But that's not the case. Sometimes think about the idea is something that 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 even you conceive it. You know, you probably. You know, uh, based on your experience from someone else, you probably, you know, also based on your uh, other people's ideas, you have this idea. Don't think of it as you. Think about it as something you're protecting, something you're growing. You're the gardener of that flower. You're the protector of that ring. I don't, I don't know why I'm doing this analogy, but you're, you're, you're growing that idea, right? If you become like very fragile, if you don't know, if you lose confidence, that flower will die in the first ring that, that, that comes. So you have to be strong to grow that, that idea, to grow that flower. And that idea might not be the in its final form, you know, and it could be, you need many iterations and, you know, and of that idea, but you gotta, if you give up, no one's gonna protect that idea. That's why I, I tell entrepreneurs and, or writers or creators, don't be afraid of sharing your ideas. I, I, I heard so many people are doing this. They, they are like, hey, John, can I ask you for some advice? You know, and um, I got this idea and I'm like, sure. Uh, and they're like, can you sign this NDA? I'm like, what? Like NDA, <laughs> like, and like, so these people are so afraid their idea is so good. If someone else hear it, they're gonna steal it and uh, they're gonna become billionaires and not them. But I'm like, this, I sometimes the idea is you shot on top of the roof, rooftop, no one's gonna care because it's you who make it happen, not this idea itself. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm like, if you got an idea, go share it and uh, like go uh, build it out, let people use it. And then if, if, if that, you might have a hard time to bring it to, to reality. Stop hoarding and stop hiding your ideas. Yeah. And I like how you also differentiated between who you are as a person and a potential business idea. The differentiation between your personal value and worth and a product or a service that you may want to provide, there are different things. And so if someone rejects that thing, they're not saying anything about your personal worth as a human. It's they may not like that idea. So different. I like how you said that. Yeah. And th they might even think about you. And that, that's the thing. Like we think the uh, people are judging me. And if I, this idea is not good, you know, it, it, it's like, uh, what show that is, um, like, you know, one person tells the other, you know, I, 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 well, every time I think about you, I feel bad for you. The other person is, I don't think about you at all. Um, I, so I, I think it's mad, man. Uh, it was, it's like, you know, most people are not thinking about us at all. They have their own things to worry about. If we fail at something, if this thing doesn't deliver, they're like, eh, whatever. I got a, I got a kid to take care of. You know, I got to pay my mortgage. You know, my, my part, my car is about to get towed, you know? So if they worry about their own thing, no one cares about your failure, but if you succeed, the, the exception is if you do really well, if you succeed, then they start to care because they want to get, they want to have what you have. You know, they're like, oh, what can I learn from Jia? What can I learn from Brandon? How can I, how can I succeed in this podcast business? Right? Like they started seeing this and started um, and, and asked you for advice. So people don't care about your failure, but they care about your success. It's all for themselves. Yeah. hundred percent. So as you're, after you did the video playing soccer with that guy, Scott in his backyard, people started asking you to knock on more strangers doors and you decided that you would knock on this guy's door and ask if you could plant a flower or a bush in his backyard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What happened? So it's not the same person, by the way, I just start going on random neighborhoods. And yeah. one day I bought this uh, flower from a grocery store. I just knock on the door and say, can I plant this flower in your backyard? <laughs> and he was an older gentleman. And he opened the door and, and this actually was not in my video, uh, in my video form because I cut it out, which I regret because I was like, you know, there's a lot of, uh, people got to know how the sausage is made. So I could talk to the persons, people were like, I'm, 
you can't do this. Uh, I mean, he didn't say you can't do this. He's like, oh, no, nope, you can. But he's like, oh, is this, uh, this is interesting. Are you doing some like a make a wish or some sort of a, a feel good kind of thing? If I want to do this, why don't you go talk to my neighbor? Her name is Connie and she loves flowers. And uh, I got so excited because I just got a referral. So, uh, and I went across the street and knock on his neighbor's door, the Connie's door, and she was so happy to see me. She was like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah, we would love to use the flower. Can you put it here? So half an hour later, there's a flower in Connie's backyard. Um, so um, a lot of times, like, the thing is, what's interesting is, had I just leave after re initial rejection without asking why, I would thought many reasons. I start, we start coming up with, like sometimes we don't have a reason. We we can't if we cannot find a reason for rejection, we start coming up with our own stories to fill that void. So I was thinking maybe I didn't dress well, the guy didn't like me, was that my English? Uh, the guy didn't trust me. Like I, I came up with all kind of could came up with all kind of stories. As it turned out, none of that was true. He liked me enough to offer me a referral, which I fulfilled. So yeah, so a lot of times just don't assume stuff. You can if you get rejected, you can ask why, figure out the reason. And, uh, and then sometimes those uh, turn into opportunities. Mm -hmm. And you also, by the way, I just have to say again, how much I appreciate that there's a lot of food involved in this process. Cause uh, then you went to a McDonald's, right? And you, there, didn't you have a follower who were saying, Ja, there's no way you're going to get McDonald's breakfast at 2 PM. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that now there was 10 years ago. Now this McDonald's does breakfast all day. I don't know if they should thank me for this or not. That Probably is all not. You. But that's all me. So, uh, but but uh, yeah, my um, um, my uh, like a like a follower said, hey, why don't you ask for Magrito uh, in the afternoon? Uh, they're not gonna say yes to that. So I went, and uh, and and at the time they they said, oh, we already. So what happened is they clean at the time they clean up the breakfast machine, right? The, they have different machines to uh, to fry hamburgers versus doing margaritas. So he was like, we, we don't have we don't have the machine. And I was and I was like, ah, can you? What can you do? Uh, so that's that question is actually pretty interesting. Like I said, what can you do? Yeah. They're like, what if I give you the margarita bun, and we kind of uh, heat it for you on um, um, with our burger grill. And uh, we put on some sauce in it. And so your margarita will not have the meat in, in, in the middle, but you have buns. Would that work? I'm like, it's better than nothing. Oh, they also give me eggs. So I, I so I think I think I either got the eggs without the meat or the meat without the eggs. So, so I was missing something, but they came up with something. It was actually pretty, pretty good. So uh, it was like a um, dwarf margarita or something. So I got it. It wasn't the original version, but I got a formal margarita. But I mean, it's such a great question. You're, you're not giving up, you're not getting angry. You're not taking it personally. And you're also nope. saying, okay, well, first of all, why? And then they mm -hmm. tell you about the machine. Okay. That makes sense. Easier to not take it personally. Plus you can say, all right, now what can you do? That's a great follow-up question. And then you negotiate something instead of nothing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When, when you say, what can you do? Or it's like, how can you do it? So when you put this open-ended question, you actually put the ball on their court and let them cook, literally in this case. You know, so uh, let, let them use their imagination. So a lot of times they would people will come up if they they see you're sincere, they see you're not really sincere but not too aggressive, right? They're like they try to help you. Like people by nature want to help other people. They want to make other people happy because if you feel you're like you're a part of someone else's happiness or success, you feel happy too. That's why we're humans, um, and the person um i see this over and over again if i ask them how can you help me to figure out how to do this or what can you do with this and they started coming up with solutions that sometimes even better than what i originally proposed so uh yeah that's a great way to ask for something is to ask how ask what can you do yeah 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 for sure so now i want to ask you about something else you went out and tried giving people money for free and they <laughs> wouldn't always take it so what was, what happened there and what did you learn from that experience? So basically, I, I, you know, I, I, a couple of big learnings from this. What So what happened is I went to the street of Austin. I started handing out $5, you know, uh, I just like, can you give me $5? 
Can I give you $5? And people's reactions are so different. So different. Some people wouldn't even talk to me. Like, like you can see some people were like, you know, what, what's the catch, right? If I, if I take a $5 from you, you're going to ask me for something yeah. or whatever. That's going to be, so they just don't want to, they are, they don't want to touch that. And some people, one guy gave me a lesson and said, why would you, why would I take you $5? There are so many homeless people that would love to have your $5. I'm like, dude, I need to, <laughs> I just want to give you $5. I don't need the lesson. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then there are people who are like, oh, she was, there was one lady smiling year to year. She was like, oh, this is so nice. This is a Christmas thing. Um, okay, I should give to someone else too. Thank you. I'll, I'll give to someone else. So she was so, I'm like, I, I, didn't, I didn't expect that. I just expected yes or no. I didn't expect that kind of reaction. So, and, and, and so there are people who res responded very differently. Most people wouldn't take it. Most people didn't talk to me. One or two people were, uh, they were, I may, probably made their day. So what, but based on basic economics, Everyone should be taking the five dollars. Like it's no brainer. I take it away and I, just, I take five dollars and run. Away. I just I just leave, right? Yeah. But there are so many hidden psychology that's behind this exchange. Uh, people have doubts. You know, people have all kind of things that that they wouldn't take it. Um. So I. So sometimes, you know, I learned that if you just put a monitor a dollar number based on a transaction, you know, I, I mean, I bet it'd be different from for $500 and maybe even people, more people run away because they're like, there's no way this is real. Something is bad is going to happen. This guy's going to rob me or something. I don't know. There are a lot of things that can happen. That's, that's basically, that's hidden. You have to just do it to, 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 to test it out. You cannot just assume. Yeah. Um, I want to kind of move on from the the challenges, but there's sure. one more I want to ask. Sure. You you went into a hair salon and you said, "Hey, can I cut your hair to the yeah. woman?" <laughs> yeah, I thought that. I asked the hairdresser. This is a big learning. This is uh, uh, people ask me, um, you know, how many times you got a negative experience. Yeah. And honest, I, I my answer is always honest. It's like almost none. Like because if I have the right energy, if I have the right attitude, even people say no, they're not that angry. But there's one example where it got a little bit unpleasant. This this was it. I went to a hair salon and asked if I can cut her hair. She just bust out laughing. She was like, "Okay, let's well, cut my hair." So it was really fun. Um, but then I gave a a reason. I said, "Hey, uh, you know, I, I'm sure your life, sure your job is boring, cutting hairs. I want to spice it up and cut your hair." And that she got took a little bit offense to that. She was like, huh, "What do you mean? Like my my job is boring. I love my job." Yeah. And then a customers got involved, and she was like, "Oh, I gotta, I gotta be a gallant person who's come to the ladies' rescue." So she started arguing with me, and it just got off track. So a lot of things that I, I, I learned from that is like usually you want to get a yes to someone, isolate to one on one. If you isolate with a group of people, people yeah. start looking at each other for cues, and they it's tough to. It's really tough to actually convince a group versus convincing one person. Yeah. So talk to the decision maker and get that uh, and and ask for that person. And also, when you give a reason, that's usually fine and probably a plus. But if you give a reason that the other person that is not a good reason, or in some cases that, that would offend the other person, that's not a plus. So give a give a a good reason or neutral reason. Don't give a bad reason and try to isolate to uh, people one on one. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Really, really good learning lessons from maybe a more challenging experience. But um, the, I mean, the, the book is so good. I just want to say to the listeners, if you haven't read it, it's called Rejection Proof. I, I have a copy downstairs. It really changed my life. I would, you know, like I said, even the taxis asking for bigger things. And then when I was playing tennis in, in New York City, I said to the guy, if we can put it, and that's right from your book, right? If we can put a man on the moon, we can do this. <laughs> that's a great pickup line <laughs> for, for those who are singles yeah yeah, yeah exactly um but cool so so you obviously you went on this incredible journey to multiple ted talks published author what have you been up to since what do you what keeps you busy now yeah so i, I do i do a lot of speaking um but my biggest goal uh in fact there's a huge pretty big development lately so my biggest goal is how can i not let it stay at me telling a good story or inspire people level, right? 
I'm sure some some of you have heard that uh, you know whether it's watch my TED talk or listen to this podcast, you get inspired. You're like, yeah, I'm gonna go get rejected, but you won't. Very few people like you, Brandon, will actually take actions. People stay at the inspiration level. So I so I I have asked so many people to do it, and very few people are like you who will take actions and make real changes in life. So I started doing research. I was like, why why are people not doing things? Like the why we read books, we'll get inspired, but why how can we translate this into actions? I came up with two reasons. One is um the uh, one is you don't people have a, a tough time to know what to do. Right? Like to to and also to actually have a system to actually do the thing you say you're supposed to do. People one, people have a hard time doing that. Number two. People have our, don't have accountability. So the reason I look back is like, I if I just want to um, overcome my fear of rejection, and I can read another a thousand books, and that wouldn't change a thing. But as soon as I systematically put myself out there and start taking actions, everything changed. You know, you it's like everyone everyone has a plan until the rubber hits the road, right? Or or maybe get a punch in the face. Then you're learning real skills, real come in. So and but secondly. I was able to successfully do it because I shared this with the world. I told people I'm going to do 100 days of rejection. I made it public. Eventually, I found an accountability partner in the world. So I took those two learnings into building a new, uh, I built an, uh, a new product that I've been, I've been testing for the past few months. It's called um, the Sisyphus Camps, something new I built up. Uh, it's come from the Greek mythology of Sisyphus. Right? You heard the story of the guy perpetually pushing up the rock. And eventually, before he would get to the top, the rock would roll back down. He would have to go back. Uh, he would have to go back up again. It's a tr- people use this story as a cautionary tale or a tragedy. I'm like, this is the best. This is the inspiring. This is such an inspiring story because I'm sure Sisyphus is more fit than any of us. He didn't give up. He keeps pushing the rock. But also in reality, if we have that kind of work ethic and do this every day, take actions toward the goal we want. Eventually, we're going to push it over the, the, the top. So I started building this thing called Sisyphus Camp, where I become people's virtual accountability partner, where I ask people to, whatever their goal is trying to achieve, they are, they're trying to get up early. They're trying to focus and, and taking time to do creative work. I become their accountability partner, whereas I'm like, why didn't you text me your work? Every day, you send me a text, say, what you, say you did this. And if you do this enough days, you develop a habit you actually can uh, achieve your goals. Just like me, I developed a habit. I told the world I'm going to do 100 days rejection. I check in with the world when I did it with a formal video, ask people to do that with me. So uh, so that's what I've been, uh, uh, that, that's, a, that's the idea I've been testing. And so far, I, got, I feel so encouraged because I have a lot of my readers are taking on these uh, camps with their own goals, whether they're, um, you know, getting out, trying to get up early, trying to set daily goals, trying to spend hours to to uh, exercise or to do work, and you know, and I get to I get to be able to you know hold them accountable, and uh, and they they are telling me it's life changing. So I'm at a stage where I'm uh, this I I feel this idea is sound. I'm trying to expand this on this idea. That's great. I I think the I mean it looks like it's something there's so much need for. And I also love the name Sisyphus, rooting it into that story, the Sisyphus project. That's really cool, man. Thank you. Thank you. It was uh, something that uh, I feel great passion about, you know, and it goes to also goes to show that, you know, I, I've been wanting to do this for a long time, like for years. And sometimes the first iteration of my idea doesn't work. You know, I've been thinking about how to incorporate the idea of rejection therapy, this idea of doing something every day uh, to better yourself into dig- and digitize it. And and I it haven't always been successful, but it was after years of not giving up and iterating and changing uh, things, changing concepts, and changing features, and eventually you find something. So um, yeah, so I, I I think so. If you're if you're um if you're listening to this podcast, if you want to develop good habits and have me as your accountability partner, you know, go to my website and uh and, and check it out. My website is uh, uh jiajiang.com. Just my name, jiajiang.com. Yep. And we'll, we'll get that in the show notes too. And, and also uh, rejectiontherapy.com, right? And we'll, we'll do a wrap up where we share all the links in a second here. 
But I, I just, John, I just want to thank you for your courage, your willingness to do two things, really one, get out of your comfort zone and do all these things that were super uncomfortable, but also be very vulnerable and, and share even the videos of showing yourself going through this process and this growth. I just want to personally thank you because it's had a big impact on my life. Oh, thank you, Brandon. Uh, the thing is, you can't take yourself too seriously in the world. If you take yourself too seriously, you just have to, you want to show your best work, right? And But me, I just want to just share things with the world and see what happens. So, uh, as, but sometimes if you have that mindset, you just want to do it. And a lot of times that's the most authentic you and people respond to authenticity and, and learning. So uh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. You're welcome. So just to kind of wrap up here, uh, whether it's your book, uh, your TED Talk, or the Sisyphus Project, just kind of where can all the listeners from today find you online, get more information, work with you, et cetera? Yeah, as I mentioned, go to uh, jiajiang.com. It's a new website I built, uh, and jiajiang.com. Uh, and uh, it has uh, it has what I've been up to my new uh, writings, but also the the the, the Sisyphe the Sisyphe uh, camps. Uh, feel free to be part of it. If you want to strictly want to overcome fear of rejection, you can go to rejectiontherapy.com. Um, and uh, I have uh, yeah, a lot of um, you know product and and services to to help you to overcome fear. Awesome. Well, Ja, thanks again so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. If you're interested in building or scaling an online coaching business just like me, visit brendanhburns.com slash book and get a free one-on-one -on -one personalized coaching session to learn how to set it up. Again, for a free one-on-one -on -one personalized coaching session so you can have a thriving online coaching business that you can run from anywhere in the world, just like me, visit brendanhburns.com slash book to set it up. Thanks again for tuning into the show and have a great day.